This is good stuff. Well, good morning, church. My name is Brandon. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, this morning, I want us all to examine our heart's relationship with this, with this stuff right here. I want us all to examine our, our heart's relationship with money. I mean, whether you're, you're willing to admit it or not, God, let's be honest, we all have a weird relationship with money. That's kind of to be human is to have a weird relationship with money. I mean, the second you got $1 less than you need, well, it's, uh, you're, we're all prone to start worrying about it, and that kind of consumes us and changes how we make decisions and how we feel and so on. The second we have one more than we need, well, we're uh, kind of prone to start getting kind of greedy. And, uh, and, uh, whichever direction it is, we just have a kind of a weird relationship with money, all of us do, and it starts, starts when we're young. I mean, I'm willing to bet if I were to ask you to think back to your childhood and, and, and if I were to ask you, try to remember in your childhood, how did you feel about money? I'm willing to bet there's not a single person in this room that would go, you know, I didn't even feel anything. I mean, honestly, never even thought about money. I didn't even know the stuff existed until the day I turned 18. No, we all started feeling stuff about money. If, you had, if your parents had money, maybe that, you felt a certain way about money. If your parents didn't have money, maybe you felt a different way about money. If you grew up in a family that talked openly about money, that affected your relationship with money. When, maybe if you grew up in a, in a household that was more private and didn't talk about money, that affected your relationship with money. I mean, this was very obvious to me that this happened uh, when Melanie and I first got married. It was a collision of, of two cultures coming together, right? Because she grew up in a, in a family that had a little bit of money and was super private, never really talked about it. I grew up on it with, uh, in a family that didn't have any money, and they talked about it all the time. So that, that clashed, and we had very different relationships with money, and it, it, it tied back to our childhood. And when we first got married, our friends would be like, hey, do you guys want to go eat dinner? And uh, you know, we might be financially in the place where we don't have any business uh, spending money at restaurants or something, and Melanie would go, well, I think we, we kind of already had something else planned, and I'd go, and we're super broke, so we shouldn't spend money. And she was like mortified, like, why, do you, why are you so open with this, you know? And it's just how I grew up. Man, I, I'm willing to bet that you think back to your childhood, I, I'm willing to bet that right now, if I said, think back to one memory that involved money from when you were a kid, we would all be able to think up a formative memory, like a memory that like shaped you and your relationship with money. I know, personally, I am still to this day ticked off about a time I lost 50 cents when I was 10 years old. I'm not exaggerating. When I, when I was, uh, the summer I turned 10 years old, in the little small town I lived in, I could, for 50 cents, I could go to the public pool and swim all day. And then they had a soda machine located right outside the exit of the public pool. And so for 50 more cents, I could get an ice-cold, old, dad's old-fashioned root beer. You guys remember dad's old-fashioned root beer? is literally the best soda that's ever been made, and I don't know where it went. But so, I mean, you, you think about this. My mom would give me a dollar, and for a dollar, I'd pay 50 cents. I'd swim all day under the hot sun with my friends. And then at the end of the day, I'd have that ice-cold dad's old-fashioned root beer uh, uh, for the walk home. It literally 
does not get any better than this. I mean, this is life just pinnacle. I, I, I don't know if, I, I, don't, I, I haven't been to heaven yet, but I'm willing to bet it's something like this. And I remember this one certain day, I had paid my 50 cents, uh, put the other 50 cents in my pocket, changed in my trunk, swam all day, came back to the change room only to find that the, my root beer money, the other 50 cents had been stolen. And I was so devastated and just angry and bitter at the people who would do this. Don't you know how like, big of a role this root beer plays in my life? Like, did you guys know where the, I had plans for them? And I was disappointed in myself. I'm, gonna, I'm not exaggerating when I say, to this day, when I think about that, those emotions come flooding back. Y'all, that was 28 years ago, and it was 50 cents. Okay, all I'm saying is that we all have a weird relationship with this stuff right here. And, and, and why is this a big deal? Is because our relationship, our heart's relationship with this stuff affects our moods, it affects our emotions, it affects how we make decisions, it affects how we spend our time, it affects our other relationships, right? Like I don't have to convince anyone in this room that, that, that financial issues affect your marriage, okay? This is a big deal. My question is on a scale of one to 10, how much do you think God cares? My question for you is, like on a scale of one to 10, this is, we, this is a big deal for us, but how big of a deal is this for God? Like in the way you view God on a scale of one to 10, how concerned is he with like you and your money and how you spend it? Is he, and, and the way you view God, is he like a 10 and he's just obsessed about every little cent? He's like, wait, why'd you buy that? Why'd you spend your money on that? Is that God? Or is he a one? And he's like, I don't even care. I couldn't even care less how you spend. Do whatever you want. <laughs> Whereas the, the passage of scripture that we're gonna read today will help us answer that question. Because in it, Jesus is going to talk to us about our money. And it, and it tells us a lot about God's heart toward our money. And here's what you're going to find out. Jesus is going to talk to us about our money, not so much because he cares about our money, but because he cares about our heart. And he knows that our hearts are prone to develop a weird relationship with money, okay? God addresses our money, not because he cares so much about our money, but because he cares about our hearts. So let's read this together. Luke, it'll be up on the screen. Luke chapter 12, verses 13 through 21. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them a parable saying, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, 
what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I'll do this. I'll tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our Lord endures forever. Will you pray with me, church? I ask right now, O oh God, that you would give us ears to hear and open hearts to receive your message. Jesus, by your spirit and through your word, would you speak to us right now and would you free us from any love of money, any covetousness, any, any greed, God, and would you help us to have a heart that has a healthy relationship with our resources that reflects your great commandment to love you and love others. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so what's going on here? A little context for this verse, this passage. Jesus is surrounded by a very large crowd. Luke says uh, thousands of people. But interestingly, he's talking to his disciples, and the crowd is sort of listening in. Does that make sense? And out of nowhere, as he's teaching, some guy from the crowd interrupts, very rudely interjects, and says, Teacher, verse 13, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Okay, so what, what's going on right there? We know this guy... He's got a money issue, obviously, right? And we know it's affecting two things. One, it's affecting his relationships. You see that? Tell my brother, right, brothers, right? They grew up playing together. They grew up working together. They, 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 they should be two of the closest people on the planet. Tell my brother. So it's affecting his relationships. And we can tell it's also affecting his heart, right? He's, he's, this is bugging him enough that he is willing to, in front of a crowd of thousands of people, interrupt the big, famous, miracle-working teacher, the rabbi, to bring this up. So we know this is bugging his heart. It's affecting his relationships, and it's affecting his, his heart. And Jesus' res Jesus's response to this man tells us a lot about the heart of God toward our money. Verse 14, but he said to him, man... I don't know how Jesus pronounced it, as if he's like, man, or man. I, 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 don't know, I don't know how Jesus says man there, but he says, or human, guy, homeboy, I don't know. Who made you, a, or me, a judge or arbitrator over you? So Jesus doesn't even go there. You see that he's, he's relatively dismissive of the man's issue. You see that? He's, he's of the actual issue at hand, the whole inheritance thing and the money issue the guy has. Jesus is relatively unconcerned. But where he goes next 
shows us that he is not dismissive of the heart behind the issue. Does that make sense? So verse 15, he says, and, he's, and, 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 and at first he's talking to the man. He says, man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? And then he says, and then he said to them, right? So he turns to at least his disciples and probably loud enough so the whole crowd can hear. And he says, watch out, take care, and be on your guard against all covetousness. Right, watch out, beware, pay attention to this. Listen, if Jesus tells us to pay attention to something, we need to pay attention to it. If Jesus tells us, hey, I want you to beware here, I want you to be on guard for this, that means that we are all susceptible to whatever he's, he's, he's warning us against. Like none of us in this room are um, immune to this thing that Jesus is telling us to watch, watch out for. We need to hear this. And he says, be on guard against all covetousness. Depending on the translation that is sometimes rendered, all kinds of greed. Whether covetousness or greed, what it's describing is the phenomenon that occurs in the human heart uh, of an excessive desire for something. It might be wealth. It might be power. It might be possessions. It might be relational. It might be another guy's wife, that kind of thing. It might be status. It might be pleasure. It might be significance. Okay, but whatever it is, it's an excessive desire of it that says this, listen, even if it dishonors God or hurts another person, I want that. That is what this word covetousness is describing. You hear that? Even if, even if, even if God says, I don't want you to do it and, and it might hurt someone else, I don't care. I want that. That's a sinful desire for something and that explains why it's sinful and Jesus tells us all he tells Brandon Hillstad in 2021 he says Brandon guard your heart against this okay be careful don't let your heart go there and notice he doesn't just say don't be greedy why well Pastor Brian talked about this a bit last week none of us is greedy if you ask us, right? Greedy, our definition, is always relative, kind of like, like the concept of being rich. Who's rich? Whoever's just got a little bit more money than you, right? If you got a small house, the guy with the big house, he's rich. If you got a big house, well, the guy with two houses, he's rich. Rich is always just relative, and greedy is, is like that as well. No one self-identifies as greedy. So Jesus kind of makes it so that we cannot find a loophole here. Because here's the truth, and I think this is what he wants us to get, is, is that even if there's a, a, the smallest hint of covetousness, that exposes something in our heart. I was just talking with Andrew about this this week, and, and it's kind of like uh, when, when Jesus says, y'all know you're not supposed to commit adultery, commit adultery right? 
But I tell you, even if you look at a woman with lustful intent, it's like you're already committing adultery in your heart, like the uh, adulterous nature, the seeds of adultery are already there. You already have kind of adulterer potential there. And Jesus says, likewise, I know you all know you're not supposed to murder, but I'm telling you, if, even if you hate someone, there's murder, it's already here. So even a hint of it, he's saying, you don't gotta be Scrooge McDuck swimming in your pool full of money to be greedy. Jesus is saying, even if there's this the hint of greed in there, that exposes something about your heart. And I want you to, for your own good and for the sake of God's glory and for the sake of other people, I want you to watch out for this. And look at the back half of verse 15, the second part there. Why? What is his reason to guard against greedy materialism he says for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his or her possessions so money and the stuff it can buy can never solve your deepest problems in life we we all know this yet we still tend to gravitate toward believing that lie but the truth is, and we all, you guys know this, I'm not, I'm not saying anything you don't know already, but the, the, the deep life problems, the real things that we're all wondering, where can I find security? Where can I find significance? Where can I find satisfaction ultimately? Right, Jesus is saying, man, uh, money and, and anything it can buy, it's not gonna solve any of those problems for you ultimately. So money and the stuff it can buy should never be a master that you serve, right? It should never be a goal that you chase after, right? Because life is about so much more than whatever I feel right now, in the here and now, today. Life is bigger than my experience today, right? There is an existence that so transcends um, today. I'm talking about the kingdom of God. I'm talking about heaven and, and, and money and, 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 and the stuff it can buy should serve that existence, not the other way around. Money should serve the kingdom not the other way around. And Jesus wants the crowd to get this. So he illustrates his point with this parable that I'm gonna tell you is just as sharp in 2021 as it was when Jesus first spoke it. I'm gonna paraphrase it just quickly and then we'll come back to it and walk through it. But basically there's a rich guy, his ventures are doing well, his business, his enterprise is, 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 is bearing fruit, it's successful, he's making decent money, so he makes a plan for what to do with the fruit of his success. And we find out his plan is all about him and is totally ignorant of God and other people. And God looks at him and he says, fool, you missed it. I tell you, I don't, I don't want to be in that guy's shoes. You don't want to be in that guy's shoes. And then Jesus concludes verse 21. So is the one who lays up treasure for himself or for herself 
and is not rich toward God. So the question we need to grapple with, the question for, for me and, and for you right now is how do we be rich toward God? Jesus tells this parable, illustrates the point and says, you don't wanna be like that. You wanna be rich toward God. How do we right now in 2021 in Northeast Wisconsin, how can we be rich toward God? Well, let's look at the parable and, I, and, and let's walk through line by line of this parable. And I want you to ask the question, where did this guy go wrong? Where did this guy go sideways? Verse 16, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. Okay, so far, I don't see anything wrong with that. There's just, there's nothing wrong with having a business or your business enterprise succeeding. There's nothing wrong with uh, making money. Uh, verse 17, he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have nowhere to store my crops. Okay, still, I don't see anything wrong. Did you guys see anything wrong with this? I, I got no issue with this. There's nothing wrong with coming up with a plan to steward your resources, uh, the resources that are, uh, that, that are at your disposal. There's nothing wrong with that, in my opinion. Verse 18, and he said, here's what I'm gonna do. I'll tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. Okay, well, I, I don't think that there's anything inherently evil with building barns. I mean, the Amish would be in big trouble. Right? There's nothing wrong with building a barn. There's nothing inherently evil in storing your resources. There's nothing inherently evil in storing up grain, right? I mean, think back to Joseph in Egypt under Pharaoh. That's exactly what he did, and he's a hero. So I, I still don't think we can indict this guy. Well, where did he go wrong? Verse 19, I will say to my soul, pause, what's the soul? It's the control center of your being. It's, it's where your emotions flow from. It's where decisions really flow from. It's, it's where, where your desires flow, flow from. So he says, I'll say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Therefore, relax, eat, drink, be merry. Ding, 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 ding. We found it. This is where he goes sideways right here. Look at, look at, his, look at his heart's relationship with, with his resources. Uh, he, says, he says, relax, right? You don't have to worry. You have security. Look, look at the grain in your barn. You can relax. You don't have to worry. You have security for a lot of years. You're good. And then he says, eat, drink, and be merry. Like, listen, you've got what you need to be satisfied ultimately. He's finding his, his security and his satisfaction in his stuff. So his plans weren't necessarily evil. His success was not evil, but his motive 
behind his actions, that's another story. It's all about him. It's, all, it's a self-centered plan. Yeah. Where does the guy go wrong? Guys, it's simply the orientation of his heart as it relates to his resources. Does that make sense? Where this guy goes wrong is the orientation of his heart regarding his resources. It was self-word and orientation. Jesus says, here's the most important commandment of all. I'm gonna make it super simple. You love God with your entire heart, with everything you got. And then you love other people at least as much as you love yourself. That's bare minimum. That's, that tops the list for those of us who follow Jesus and call him our Lord and Savior. That's number one. You get those two things down, you're good. Jesus says, love God, love others. That's called the great commandment. And so I would say to be rich toward God is to have a relationship with your resources that reflects the great commandment. That's it. This guy, he says, soul, we got this. You're good. Chill out, relax, don't worry about a thing. It was self in orientation. And God says, I want you to be me first, others second, and you in the back seat. You live it like that, you will honor God. You will be rich toward God. To be rich toward God is to have a relationship with, with this stuff, and not just this stuff, with our time, with our talent, with our relationships, that we'd have a heart that wants nothing more than to love God and to see him glorified and to help other people, to love them and serve them well. We do that, you're rich toward God. I believe we do that and God goes, I love it. Awesome. You nailed it, Hortonville. Alliance Church, or Alliance Church Hortonville, we changed the name, I, I keep messing that up. Alliance, you, got, you guys nailed it, okay? So all month long, we're talking about this, this big dare to move vision and pastor was just up here talking about it. Guys, I, have, you, have, you, have you gotten one of these pamphlets? Have you flipped through this thing? There's some incredible stuff in here. I mean, honestly, this is, this is exciting stuff, I mean, we're talking about this right here. We're gonna, we're by God's grace, we're gonna see this happen again in another city. We're gonna be baptizing people in another zip code. I mean, this is exciting stuff. We're gonna take a big old chunk of money and we're gonna serve uh, people with special needs and their family better. Guys, this is huge. We're gonna take an unreached people group and we're gonna say, we're gonna do everything we can to scratch their name off that list, to get them the gospel and get them the Bible in their language and their culture and get people sent out that are gonna, gonna share Jesus and, and the message of the cross with a, a group of people that don't have that going on in their language or in their culture. I mean, this, is, this is huge. I mean, this is incredible stuff. And what it is, is simply an opportunity for, for you and I to be rich toward God, to practice being rich toward God. This is simply a way to use your resources 
that reflect in a way that reflect the great commandment. That's it. It's a way. It's not the only way. And for certain people, it might not even be the best way. But in my honest opinion, it's a pretty darn good way to use your resources in a way that reflect Jesus's big old commandment that you love God and love others and be rich toward God. It's a way. And guys, I gotta believe that 10 years from now, we're, we're gonna be telling stories. And we're gonna be blown away. We're gonna be smiling and we're gonna be rejoicing, thinking about all the stuff that we've seen God do through this church. I believe it with all my heart. I have absolutely no reason to believe that God's not gonna do some amazing stuff. And we got some big plans, he's got bigger ones. And we're gonna see him go to work. It's gonna be good. But listen, it's not, it's not gonna happen unless each and every one of us hear and heed the exhortation of Jesus in this text. It takes all of us coming together on this. So my challenge for you, once you stand, I'll give you a challenge, then we'll pray, I'll give you the benediction. My challenge for you, church, is this. Hey, I see you shivering back there. This is, we were sweating in here like two weeks ago and now we're, now we're cold. <laughs> oh man, listen, my challenge is that you take time this week, preferably today or tomorrow, and examine your heart's relationship with money. That's it, that you take time. How do you do it? I encourage you to read Luke chapter 12. Read it, meditate on it, think about it, reflect on it, and then spend a little time in prayer and just say, God, okay, I hear your words here. Is my heart pure in this area or, or is, there, is, there, is there some covetousness that I'm not guarding against? Is there greed that I'm not guarding against? Is there, is there a weird relationship with money that's creeping back in there that you want me to, that you want to deal with, that you want to address. And then whatever he leads, have the faith to obey him. Just do what he says. And following Jesus is pretty simple. We hear what he says and we do what he says. Okay, church, would you do that this week? Would you take time? And I'm, I'm, I'm right here. I'm right here with you. I'm doing the same thing in my own heart. Take time, examine your heart's relationship with money and the stuff it can buy. Sound good? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we know that everything is yours and it is your good pleasure to give us the kingdom. You don't hold back. You are the most generous being in the universe. You gave your son. You don't hold back. Jesus, would you make us a church that doesn't hold back? Would you make us a church that stewards our resources in a way that reflects your great commandment, that it would be clear with by how we spend our time, our treasure, and our talent, that we love you and we love other people. Would you make us a church that is rich toward God, to your glory for the sake of a lost and hurting world? I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Church, may God richly bless you. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you next Sunday. When? At 9 or 10.30. We're going to find out who pays attention next week. You show up here at 8, we're going to put you to work. God bless you guys. See you next week.